I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to another Happy Pods, the only podcast in the world. My name is Nathan. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Lawrence, who is a bit of a prick. Okay, right. <laughs> I see that actually you toned it down this week, considering the word you'd normally use. Is that because we're with company? Well, yeah, I, d- I didn't want to be rude in front of our very special guest, Lawrence. So I thought M- much I'd... obliged. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd be a little bit nicer than usual. That's fair. Yeah, so we, this week we have Harley uh, from the Fundamentals podcast joining us uh, this week. Hello, Harley. Hello, thank you for having me on. No problem, thanks for joining us. Happy to have you here. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I mean, you guys were kind enough to come on my podcast not that long ago, so it's nice to be invited back. Yeah, I got to... Uh, <laughs> I'm still jealous, because Nathan got to talk about something that he loves, and I got to talk about work. <laughs> so I don't know I don't know if that was your secret agenda or something. <laughs> but do you guys... You know, you like your work, don't you, don't you, Lawrence? Or is this where oh. your employers find out that you hate it and you're just half-assing it? Uh, for my own employability, I'm not going to answer that question, if that's okay. I'll leave, <laughs> I'll leave that one in the air. No comment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, Holly, you're you're here. What we do when we have guests on, um, more often than not, is we let them choose the topic. Uh, so you, you came forward with Blade Runner 2049. So yes. we've watched that. Is there, like, any reason? Like, what, why did you choose it? It's my favourite film. Um, that's the reason. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of just Blade Runner in general. The first movie, the, the final cut, obviously, which is the correct one to watch. It, it is, uh, it is amazing. It's such a great film. The book's fantastic. Love all of that. Love AI, love sci-fi. And yeah, I remember going to see that in the cinema and just sort of being cautiously optimistic, you know, cause it was like, okay, you're doing a, a legacy sequel to a film that's sort of a cult classic. I'm not sure yeah. about this, but then the people involved made me think there's going to be something here, surely. And I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, as I sat down and watched the film and it just I had that moment like halfway through in the cinema, just thinking to myself, I think this might be my favorite film. 
Like, this is just incredible. Like, I'm loving every second of this. I don't want it to end. Did you have that like that Danny DeVito always sunny moment where it yeah. like, slowly zooms in? You're like, I get it now. Yeah, basically, yeah. This is cinema. Oh, yeah. Nathan, have you had you seen this? No, <laughs> never seen this until last night. Uh, I'll be honest, Ali, I've never cared about Blade Runner. I, I do <laughs> okay. apologize. It's never been something I've cared about. <laughs> I have seen the original Blade Runner, kind of. I don't mm. know which version I've seen, but I've seen it and I didn't pay attention. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be fair, that's how most people watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I I know that Harrison Ford is in it. Obviously, I know yes. that it's kind of something to do with robots, and yes. um, I know that it's uh, set in a, a futuristic version of LA, kind of or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and that's basically all I know. Um, so I feel like this episode, and maybe just mostly you two helping me understand what I just watched, because. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't know where I'm at with the movie. Um, so hopefully we can try figure out as we as we go along uh, over the next hour or so. I, I think I might be meeting you both in the middle because I Ooh. so I have seen Blade Runner. I've also seen this prior to watching this again today. But I, I'm in the boat of like, I'll be honest, I didn't have the time to rewatch Blade Runner before I watched this. Mm. So I, I went over to my helpful friend Movies in Minutes on YouTube um, yep. and, and quickly got the lowdown. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, but I kind of, I don't think I needed to, because this kind of, it, it kind of goes like, if you don't know much about Blade Runner, here's the lowdown in a bit of text at the beginning. Yeah. And then, and then also like it, it barely touches on anything that actually happened in Blade Runner either. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it, like the, the, there's some people in it. Yeah. Obviously like Harrison Ford. And then you get a, a certain appearance a bit later on um, of people that have a, that were in the original movie mm. but i i kind of think like they 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 did this intentionally because like harley alluded to there's like eight fucking versions of this movie yeah of like the first movie so i think when it came down to making a sequel towards it they were like the first question was probably which one are we making a sequel to <laughs> yeah uh i think it was probably off the back of the final cut because they brought one of the original writers back yeah and i think that was part of it what is going on there, Harley, with all the different cuts, if you know anything about it? Like, what's what's the deal there? As far as I understand, it was a case of uh, Ridley Scott, you know, famously made the Blade Runner film. And the final cut, to cut a very long story short, is the version he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. But the various iterations are just down to the fact that studios interfere a lot. And, like, if you see the original, original cinema cut, it's kind of infamous for having this sort of uh, narration over the top, which narration's not always a bad thing, right, in, in movies, but... Yeah. In that case, it was very... Racist. It was racist. There is racism in it. Yeah. <laughs> there is There is some, yeah, <laughs> choice language, shall we, shall we say. But primarily, yeah. it was it was um, just the fact that it, it really kind of took out a lot of the nuance of the story. And it was basically trying to spoon feed it to people, but in a way that was very patronizing and also kind of misunderstood what the point of the film was. And then, yeah, over the years, Ridley Scott just kept dipping back in and going, oh, do this, do that. And eventually i think he got to i want to say 2007 or something like that and that was when he was like right this is what i wanted leave it alone now and i think by that point i don't i think is it fox that made the first one or sony or they just didn't care at that point they were just like yeah fine okay have your final cut and all the fans were going yay because we got to watch a good version of the film (laughs) (laughs) Um, i mean the rest of the cuts are fine i've seen a couple of the others and they're all right but 
yeah, yeah. The, the final one is just it is just better yeah that's the the one that has the consent the like the consensus with yes. everyone basically yeah yeah like, that's, this is the yeah. official version kind of this is yeah basically the one we all watch okay yeah what, yeah what is it about sci-fi in the 80s that had directors like i can't make up my fucking mind how i want this to come out <laughs> <laughs> like, i think i think a lot of it's just down to technology right and wanting yeah, to yeah. build these incredible worlds but maybe not necessarily having the knowledge of how to do that and then as time goes on you know you're just um you're looking at what people like george lucas are doing right or james cameron and you're going oh okay i can use that now can i and if you really care about a property you'll just come back to it because you know you've got the time if you've got the money fair enough and and like it obviously maybe not to the effect that star wars has but there was yeah. certainly a dedicated fan base out there that were like oh I yeah. guess kind of like unfulfilled with what had come out and like yeah because I guess seeing so many like bastardized versions of something that you really enjoyed is kind of frustrating. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, like Philip K. Dick has just a massive following because he's a really good author. And, you know, obviously it's the kind of stuff he writes, are, you know, freaks like me who just like dive into the source material and <laughs> let absorb it all. And we're like, this is so cool. And, and because of as the story of Blade Runner is one of those that is it's it just so much of it is in the little details, you know, that you need to get that right. One of the biggest issues from memory of the different cuts was the whole question of is Deckard a replicant or not, which is so central to the book. And even the book doesn't really answer the question like it's deliberately ambiguous. Mm. And in some of the cuts, it's just it's very straightforward they give you an answer and i think that frustrated a lot of people as well because they're like yeah oh no that's that's not the point of the story and so in the final cut it kind of avoids that once more and is yeah quite clever with it for someone that hasn't seen it in a long time mm -hmm. and for someone that has seen it but didn't pay attention to it <laughs> what like can you before we get into the 2049 can you just give us a like funnily enough we're talking about like bastardized tellings of certain stories i'm asking you <laughs> can you give me a crude 30 second rundown of what blade runner was you are setting me up to fail thank you <laughs> <laughs> essentially it's the story of this guy called deckard he's what's called a blade runner he's hired to check to chase down replicants which are androids that have gone rogue in the book uh, and in the film Blade Runner. He's basically chasing after a handful of them that have escaped from a mining colony off world. And that's his job. He tries to track them down. In the meantime, he's introduced to a guy, uh, Tyrell, who runs the corporations that build all these machines. And he's a bit of a freak with a god complex. Surprise, surprise. And he introduces him to Rachel, who initially he thinks is just an assistant. Turns out she is a replicant. She doesn't even know she is one. And they have a whole romance, which is a little bit icky in the books and also icky in the film but yeah. we move on and so yeah eventually he ends up getting entangled and then finds himself essentially thinking well hang on i'm falling in love with a replicant and then he kind of has a moment of crisis like am i a replicant does this mean this is all meant to happen what is real so on so forth ends up having a showdown in the film with the sort of head honcho of the group of replicants roy batty and there's a really amazing speech that he gives at the end that kind of summarizes essentially the film which i can quote word for word if you would like me to oh. <laughs> <laughs> you said i set you up for failure that, you, that was like the most prepared answer i've ever heard fair enough <laughs> yeah it was genuinely quite good um if we're let's say we'll take the the final cut then as, yeah. as the official version um, is, is that version, it's it's ambiguous as to whether or not Harrison Ford yes. is a robot or not. Yeah, yeah. again, it very much leans on the book and it's, it is like deliberately ambiguous. You are kind of unsure. In fact, even uh, Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott have argued in interviews about what they think is the right answer, which is really funny. <laughs> <to watch. laughs> 
It's so strange to imagine Harrison Ford caring enough yeah. about, a, about a movie or a franchise to argue a point about it. That's quite funny. It is, where, yeah. where do you stand on it? Do you have an idea, a theory or anything to do with... Uh... When I factor in that film and the film we're going to talk about, I like to think the answer is no. Okay. Um, and I guess we'll get into it more as we talk 2049 because 2049 also skirts around that quite nicely, which is something I really liked about it was that, yeah, it didn't just trample all over it. It was very careful yeah. to kind of sidestep that issue. I was going to ask Nathan, so like with that, mm. what what do you think you watched <laughs> today? <laughs> is, it, is it time for my crude retelling? Oh, yes, please do. Not, not crude retelling, but like I figured that might give you a springboard into like, reframing some shit ah so here's 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 what i think i watched okay yep so ryan gosling correct uh, (laughs) good so far (laughs) that that was him (laughs) i got that one right okay so all right so ryan gosling is uh is a cop okay that's all we know about him first he's he's a cop in a flying car and he goes to see dave batista who mm-hmm. is wasted in the movie, frankly. But that's that's another point. Yeah. Um he kills Dave Batista because Dave Batista's a robot and Ryan Gosling hunts robots. But then we find out that Ryan Gosling is also a robot. Yeah. But maybe he's not. But maybe he is. But <laughs> I don't know. Um mm-hmm. anyway, then he then he like he goes home and he's got a relationship with a woman who's also a robot, or maybe dead, or is like <laughs> just like a program you can buy or something um, i'm sure we'll talk about that um but then he has a job to like find a kid and then maybe he is the kid but he's not the kid he's like a clone of the kid or like 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 a decoy clone or something of the kid and then he asks the kid to help him understand but he didn't know it was the kid at the time um and then he finds harrison ford um and then he kills a woman um in the water <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then he and then Harrison Ford goes to see his daughter. Oh yeah, he Harrison Ford had a daughter with Rachel who was a replicant so that can happen I guess. Oh and also Jared Leto was there and like he's been mm-hmm. weird and creepy but that's just Jared Leto. Yeah. Um they just pointed a camera at him on set. Yeah, yeah. just when Jared Leto just be yourself for 5 minutes. Yep. Um <laughs> and and then yeah, and then I don't know. Is, I think you've. Maybe... I think you've got it. Like that's okay. I don't think I have. But okay. <laughs> I mean, some of the details are off, but the main thrust of it, you're you're on point there, my friend. You've got you've got more than I got the first time round because I came out the okay. first time in the cinema and I was like, "What was that?" And I was scared to re-approach this for a long time. And then, oh, okay, yeah, I, I had that I get it moment today where I'm like, mm. "This is this a masterpiece?" I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, right. So, have, are you familiar? Nathan and Harley, I suppose, with them, um, uh, and I'm not necessarily because to the fact that I can't even pronounce his surname correctly. Denis Villeneuve, I think, is his surname. Villeneuve. Villeneuve, I think. I don't know. <laughs> All I've, three of us have a different pronunciation. Yeah, so yeah I've pronounced it differently on other podcasts as well. I'm not. I'm still not sure. I heard Villeneuve not that long ago from the Empire okay. guys, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw myself at them and say they're film journalists. If they've got it wrong, then yeah, yeah I'm not responsible. Then, then they should have been better journalists as well. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We'll go yeah. with that then. I've seen a few of his stuff. Um, I've seen Arrival, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arrival is great. Um, is, that, is that it? Did he do... He didn't do District 9, did he? No. No, I don't think no, so. No, that was Blomkamp? Yes. And I, I, maybe that's it. 
But yeah, I've seen Arrival. Arrival's good. Sicario, yeah. Prisoners? Oh, I've seen Prisoners, yes. Yeah, I've yeah. seen Prisoners. Dune? Um, no, I haven't seen Dune. Okay. Yeah. Oh, did you got to see Dune. Dune's so good. Mm. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I, I was the same it's just like I sand people and worms and shit like I don't give a fuck and then I went there and I was like oh god yeah maybe uh, maybe we'll do it on this podcast and then I will but who knows I'll okay. come back for that one I'll just say that now because big big fan of both of those things but anyway yeah <laughs> so so if you're I guess if these are two like things that you enjoyed doing and, and Blade Runner you I guess you were probably quite excited to see his name attached to both of those things right oh, but massively man massively yeah, yeah. I mean that that was the thing that gave me hope for the blade for this film basically was yeah hearing his name attached because i'd seen arrival i'd seen um prisoners and sicario and i was just like this guy's an incredible filmmaker yeah and then when they said yeah he's doing a sequel i thought all right he strikes me as the kind of guy that isn't doing this just for a cash grab because again it's a belated sequel to a cult classic there's no money there He's yeah. obviously doing it because he loves it. So at the very least, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Didn't he earn like a reputation from doing this movie as like kind of like the king of like big epic sci-fis that just massively flop? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think this did that well. No, it, it didn't. It did no, quite badly, no. I think. Yeah. Okay. It, it's basically repeated history. It's done exactly what the first Blade Runner did, which is, right. yeah, didn't do great in the cinema, but on like home release it's doing super well yeah okay this this movie birthed that meme and also the meme that good cinematography equals yellow um <laughs> that, that's that's another one that came that like genuinely that was like this and it was like mm. roger deakins made something yellow so then like 1917 we're like we're all yellow we're all yellow yeah. we're doing all the yellow smoke things <laughs> isn't it more orange in this it is but like it's yeah. like it's it's that palette isn't it like it's a, a orange yellowy. like you've never seen orange <laughs> It's good orange. I tell you what, this movie looks beautiful though. Oh, yeah. like it, it, there's the joke of good cinematography is yellow or whatever, but this genuinely mm. looks like incredible. Yeah. Like, it won him the Oscar. Oh, know? did it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well that makes sense. Yeah, because there's mm. some shots and like kind of like the brutalist architecture that you see of, of the mm. seascapes and everything like that. It's it's really really good stuff. I don't like the commitment to this fucking tiny ass font that they use <laughs> and i feel like i i felt like my eyes were bad for the most of the movie and i had to really strain to read what was going on uh use of, a bigger font of, uh, of all the things we we're going to talk about today i did not think fonts were going to come up but fair yeah. enough he's that's cooking man that's a fair point it is a small font it, it is, is small no, font. even when the credits came up yeah. at the end i was like what the fuck man i can't do any glasses directed by denis who the fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well let's 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 rip the bandaid off and let's get into it. the The opening scene is perfect. Like, yep, okay, it's, it's so fucking good. It's like I think Denise straight out the bat uh, understands like kind of two things about setting up sci-fi, and that's like a cool look for your protagonist. Yep, and the vibes, which sounds like silly, but you immediately feel like you're in the world of Blade Runner, but with a slightly modern update in the fact that one, it looks fucking, like Nathan said, incredible. Uh, and two, you're just in this kind of weird barren wasteland, but there's like tech stuff there, but like he's wearing a big leather coat. So it's like, is it uh, like, it, it feels like modern, but very attached to reality of earth that we know, even though it's not earth, if that makes sense. hundred percent. Yeah. And Hans Zimmer just in your ears from the second the film starts. <laughs> Mate, they had the big three. They had Roger, Denis, and Hans Zimmer. Like, this was 
Oh, with uh, with credit to Benjamin Wolfish, I want to say uh, as well. I think it was the other guy that works on it with him. But yeah, like that. You're right. Like that opening bit to me was just ah, oh, it's so good. Just <laughs> speaking of Hans Zimmer quickly, the score is quite interesting because mm. it's like it's not really a score. It's yeah, like yeah. weird kind of soundscapes and yeah. just like very strange sort of like tone pieces. Really, yeah. there's which, a reason um, for that. Okay, interesting. It's interesting. An- another really. Um, just absolutely poured over element of the first film is the right. soundtrack by Vangelis. Okay. Because um, it is so unique and different. I mean, basically, Blade Runner is the, the movie that essentially popularized the dystopian future. Like, you watch the first Blade mm-hmm. Runner and you go, oh, I've seen this before. And you realize it's yeah. every other film that came afterwards that was set in the future because they, even from the soundtrack and the look, it's just, that's what they did. They just ripped it off. So, right, yeah, that okay. was another big yeah. point of this film was you have to get the music right. And you're right. It's not like a straightforward no. John Williams, you know, yeah, or Danny exactly. Elfman kind of thing. It's like, no, no, you need to just be super weird with this. Yeah, <laughs> like low throat singing and that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, and... yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mate, go, go see June. You're going to fucking love throat singing, man. Oh, that, yes. That's, that's <laughs> it. No, I, I, yeah, you, you're right, because there's, like... It'd be weird if it was John Williams esque. Like, imagine Kay shoots Dave Batista and he goes, bah, 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 and it's like this brutal <laughs> moment, and it's like, <laughs> like this, this very like victory moment. I'm just imagining Danny Elfin as he's running along in the city or something. Yeah, just go take you out of the film. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, th- so th- this opening scene, obviously, like the thing they need to get right is is showing us Ryan Gosling, who I- I've seen people refer to this as like a weak performance. That's fucking wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this has boiled you before, I can tell. Many, many, many times. Yes, yes. I, yeah. I am sick to death of that argument, especially because I feel like it's not to sort of take over, but it feels like this springboards into his whole career. If you know what I mean? Like the amount of conversations I've had with people, I'm like, they say, oh, who's some of, one of your favorite actors? I'm like, oh yeah, Ryan Gosling. Not only because he's in one of my favorite films, I'm like, he's just genuinely a chameleon. And people are like, oh, isn't he the guy that just looks kind of sad and a bit like, who's I'm like, <laughs> Uh, it's called subtle acting you moron he's done a few of those movies where it is a bit like that so i I see where they come from but it is but that's still hard to do yeah like and to do it well and then you and i also turn around and watch like the barbie trailer the other day and i'm like and then he's just doing weird stuff like this and his comedic timing is spot on yeah and like you see like yeah so sorry sorry to jump in there lawrence yeah it just is a big bugbear of mine of people being like (laughs) Oh, he's a bit quiet. It's like, you know he's playing a robot, right? Yeah. Like, you know he's meant to be playing somebody that is figuring out emotions. <laughs> it's like, ah! Well, well, that, like, that slow nature is, is like, the opening scene. It's like, it, it, the, the the thing of, like, he's there, to, obviously, to, we, we know this setup. We know the opening scene of, like, a bounty hunter approaching yeah. the location of the prey and all of this. And, like, he sits in the kitchen. They have a brief chat. Uh, and like under the under the surface this entire time it's just like bubbling that we know one of them's dead like one of them's not walking mm. out we're either gonna we've seen the poster we know it's ryan gosling but like <laughs> like if you went into this completely blind it wouldn't be a completely unexpected thing to be like dave batista is here he killed the guy that came to get him and now he's the protagonist or whatever mm. um but like under the surface you've got like just little filmmaking quirks like the um there's a literal kettle boiling water yep like it's something that's signifying there's an end in sight to this interaction. And it's like, yeah. oh, it's fucking great. I don't know. Where, Nathan, mm. if you were like fresh out on this, like what was your first <laughs> initial kind of reaction to 
opening this movie. Uh, I was mostly surprised to see Dave Bautista. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like I really like Dave Bautista. I think he is genuinely like a really good actor and one that is underused and this is a prime example of it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he's like he's in the opening scene and then that's it. See you later. Yeah. Um yeah, he's a, he's a really good actor, so um was surprised to see him. Um, the scene went exactly as I was expecting it to. You know, you've seen this like a million times before, like you say. Mm. Um, enjoyable, though. I think like a good opening piece, a good like mood setter, tone mm. setter for, for yeah. what we're about to see, really. Um, yeah, enjoyable. He gets he gets mm. fucking he gets back to the like the precinct and they call him Constant K and I was like yeah that's a sad nickname for someone <laughs> whose job is like be mundane and kill mm-hmm. people yep. yeah yeah I was like fuck and that that's that's the springboard of the movie like even, yeah you see him look suave and cool and this is what I'm talking about getting the protagonist right like he's suave and cool and he's got his cool leather coat and he's Ryan Gosling I don't suit. like his coat. I'll say it. I don't like the coat. Fuck Look. you. You're wrong. That's <laughs> no, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. I'd be, I'd be wrong if it was symmetrical. All right. But the fact that it's uh, okay. fucking the collar really annoyed me because the fact that like it's not symmetrical and longer on one side. I get why because it like wraps around and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But but still, it's just visually I don't like it. Like, Were you waiting for him to see a seamstress then for the entire movie? Yeah, the whole time I was like, where is the tailor, please? Let's get this sorted. No, I, I think you're nuts, man. I think like it goes. You're right. The thing like drapes round it becomes his like little neck thing. You're telling me you've never wanted a coat that went up like that in the winter. If he wore it like that, then yeah, sure. But the fact that it's just like hanging down on one side the whole time because he's like rugged. It. He's a guy that he just no. doesn't follow the rules. No, no, I don't like it. <laughs> he doesn't adhere to your fashion sense. He does follow the rules though. He's a robot who kills other robots. Yeah, until he until he doesn't. I, I know what yeah, you're saying. But fuck you. I like that coat a lot. Um, <laughs> what is it about Ryan Gosling and wearing iconic coats that cause controversy? Mm. It's two coats, not that many. That's a, it's enough coats. I don't wear any coats that cause controversy. Well, that's two more than me, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair, yeah. He's cool, and like he, you, you see him, like everyone's like, Dave Batista's pretty big, and he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he tried to kill me, but you know, tap, tap, he's dead. Um, yeah. he, he's he's not happy about it, but you get a sense of like this is his day job, and he it literally yeah. is his day job. Um, he's a good fight. I love that Batista just literally shoved him through the fucking wall. Yeah, that was, that was quite enjoyable. It is it is great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like he gets back I like his, to his little, little glasses as well. Like there's something about seeing <laughs> a man the size of Dave Batista. Yeah, and just those tiny little glasses. Yeah. Is, which is... he can't get his prescription. He's like away <laughs> from like the world. Do you know what Nathan? Glasses and coats. I don't. You're here for. You're here to put them down. I'm not, today. I'm not saying the glasses are bad. I say I like them. It looks Fair. fun. Okay. Yeah. The coat yeah. is bad. Fuck's yeah. sake. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I like that he gets to the precinct and he's like immediately his cool, suave persona is gone and like yeah. his colleagues are coming up to him and like saying shit in his face and he's like head down. Oh my god. Oh my god. It feels very yeah. much like like bully victim in the boys' locker room. Like he's mm-hmm. like head down and this will be over soon, kind of thing. And this is what I mean about the subtle performance, you know, because it's from <laughs> yeah. one scene to very calm and just like you say, matter of fact, like this is what I do to then like, oh, I'm a victim of racism here. I'm just going to keep myself out of the way. Yeah. And it's like, that's why the character has to keep himself at a certain level, because if he doesn't, he will be killed. So yeah. it's like it plays into the performance. Um you know, it's it's important. Oh, OK. See, I never I never got that. I never, now you say mm. that, that makes sense. I never got the like... like 
it was like everyone was basically prejudiced against him and like he goes home and he's got like yeah. writing on his door and shit as well yeah and there's that angry lady in the stairs like screaming yeah at yeah. him in whatever language that is i don't know but yeah it's all just like it's just to set up the fact that like he's not mm. welcome in this world and it's to me so everyone hates robots yeah basically it's kind of right. like it's a thing of, of previously they were slaves or prostitutes or whatever like they're basically used and yeah. in this it's like he's got a service job he's on a level he's he has authority you know he can yeah. kill he can do whatever he needs to do in the service of the law and you can understand why people would have issues with that but then it's also the fact that they're using him because he can go up against someone like sapper morton played by dave batista mm. and not get his head smashed in you know and like yeah. and that was to me was was immediately what made this interesting when i sat down in the cinema because your first thought was okay we're we gonna have the same through line as the last film and then as soon as he was put through that wall I was like oh no he's obviously a replicant like there's no way he's surviving that if he's yeah. human <laughs> like it, that this film is not answering that question good i can relax now and like yeah. you know and it just goes on to show the, the other side of the coin he's strong but he's not like immune to shit like he gets like he gets fucked up in this movie quite consistently oh yeah uh, like his head's getting kicked in he's always yep. got like blood dripping out of his ear he's like pretty much yep. his hair the entire film is blood soaked so like, yeah yeah um yeah just just a great look but it's not a problem because mm. he has a shower that i want your boy's opinions on okay in what way <laughs> would you like to take a shower like this a quick and efficient two second shower or would you prefer the showers we have in modern day? I'll take I'll take the quick and efficient one, to be honest. That's sounds good to me. No, I'll be honest, I have zero memory of the shower. The shower, <laughs> the quick shower. He gets in and it's like it, it's like this water's very purifying or something, and then it goes and it's done. When was this? Was this at the station? Or is it home? Yeah, he comes yeah. home. Yeah, it's like it's like sort of I don't know, like what would you say, hoses or sort of all around him, the way it's built. They just seem to be. They seem to be everywhere, and it's just like a all, right. all, all in one massive spray, and then that's it. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. in and out quickly done. Not wasting time. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. it. I like to be in the shower for a bit, be with my thoughts, be with. I've just... got shit to do, man. Let's get on with it. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, where 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 do we go? What what happens in this movie? Well, I tell you what. Let's you meet Joy. That's another cool right, level. Yeah. Which so, is so. What's going on here? So <laughs> yeah. So okay. Nathan, how did you sum it up again? Remind me. So all right. So she's his girlfriend, who's a robot, maybe. Um, but she's also like a a product you can buy i guess she's a hologram he's, he's got a parasocial relationship yeah with like a just a is essentially like he's fallen in love with a twitch streamer and he's bought like a, a hologram of that twitch streamer not entirely essentially she, she is a hologram yeah and she's she's a slightly toned down version to what we see later in the film um, yeah. you know, not to jump too f well, we can jump ahead, but like that brilliant scene where it's like the giant purple version of her and she's a lot more sexualized and like flirty and you're kinda of like, What's this? And you realise that, oh, that's that's the version they sell, basically for like lonely incels and possibly other replicants, who knows? But they um they essentially yeah, he buys her. The relationship he has with her is a lot sweeter, I think. It's a lot more like he just wants it's just someone to keep him company so he doesn't feel lonely. But yeah. obviously she's yeah. a hologram and it's one of my favorite points of this film because not only is it just like a step away again from the previous film, which was the whole Rachel's a replicant, but Deckard loves her. What does that mean? It's just like, yeah. they're both not real, but they both love each other. Discuss is basically what the film <laughs> says. But do they love each other or is 
she not programmed to love and him? That's the no. discussion, Nathan. That, Nathan, okay. that's it, isn't it? Because is he not programmed? Like, mm-hmm. well, well, I don't know. Because she calls him a, a she calls him Joe, and then what happens later on when he sees the massive advertisement? She goes, "You look like a good Joe," and you're like, "Oh, okay. Oh, oh gosh, you were not having an original thought. I, oh, my yeah. day is ruined." And when you watch everything that she says as the film goes on, she is basically mimicking him. You know, mm. she tells him what he wants to hear. I mean, that's what the advert says. It's like, say, I think it says something like, she's the way you want her to be, or like, yeah, what you want to see, what you want to hear. Yeah. Basically. And that's when you're like, oh, dang. Okay. So he was being led along by something that he thought he basically forgot wasn't real. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so good. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things about mm. the character of Joy is how it's like a, to call it like a, a, a cycle of violence is not correct, but like it is a cycle of control. It's do like do to others as has been done to you. I guess okay. like not in a not in like a rude and gives her orders kind of way, but in a mm. way that like his day job is to go somewhere as a discriminated against robot. Essentially, like I'm boiling it down to the bare fucking. Yeah, yeah. Like, what it is, yeah. Like, he, his job is to go somewhere as a discriminated against robot to carry out orders. He probably doesn't want to do that much, but it's just like, whatever, this is my lot in life. And he comes home to a robot that he has purchased, which is, like, mm-hmm. just that, just some other level of, like... I don't I don't believe he does it to be above anyone. I, I do mm. believe it is that companionship and he'd be lonely as anything without her. But there is, there is an interesting element of, like, where does the... Like that, that cycle of control is something that's prevalent. Like mm-hmm. we get it later on with love and how she just like spoiler alert. But again, if you're here, then we're going to be talking about spoilers. Um, how love just fucking kills joy mm-hmm. by essentially wiping her last copy out and then refers to her as a product. Like there is, there's a nature of like replicant anger towards stuff that's e- below even them on the food chain of society or whatever which is absolutely yeah it, it, I mean, it's fucking heavy i came out I, like the credits <laughs> rolled on this and i was like oh, jesus fuck i don't know what's like it's a lot to unpack i don't know mm. and then there's the whole like if we're sticking with joy for a second the whole sort of sex scene which is her syncing up with yeah. a replicant and it's like not only is just visually is it stunning to watch it's like how do they do this you know as i'm watching it but like <laughs> But what it represents, and then mm. I think the character, I forget her name, played, played by Mackenzie Davis, I want to say, um, says to Joy afterwards, she's like, quiet now, I've been inside you, there's not as much there as you'd think. And initially you think that's kind of like a dig or it's part of that anger, which I think it is, but it's also a massive clue to the audience, you know, because yeah. by that point you're kind of bought into her and, and the fact that she's invested in Kay. And, and so it kind of, you know what I mean? The relationship seems so real as much as it is limited that when she drops that line, it is like a massive clue to the audience to be like, yeah, remember she's a hologram. No, she's not. Yeah. She's only programmed for a certain amount here. Well, you get, I think you get that sense in like how the design, again, like hmm. Denis knows how to fucking do sci-fi and he knows like yes. good concepts. Um, but there's always a level to Joy where she's like, she's transparent enough for you to remember that mm-hmm. she's not there. Yeah. But she's also just Anna de Armas walking around on screen enough Mm-hmm. for you to be like she absolutely is and you, it's so hard to like because every now and again you do get that reminder of she's not she's not even fucking real or like she'll change her clothes or something quickly like mm-hmm. j- like and it will glitch and you'll be like oh yeah what huh? <laughs> i don't know where, where do you land on because you <laughs> i don't know if you're confused over joy nathan or if you're like no i i, I... 
I, I think I get it. I think I understand it. Like yeah. everything you're saying makes sense. Um, I didn't like the sex scene. I thought it was a little uncomfortable. Really. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, the syncing up part was was quite strange, and also they never like fully synced up as well. Like yeah. Anna de Armas was like, "Be quiet, I'm trying to sync." But then they never synced up. It was always like mm. a bit of a delay between the two, really. Yeah. Which, I mean, visually it was interesting and stuff, but mm. I don't know. I, I the whole thing just made me feel uncomfortable because I was still trying to like work out like, but b- what is going on? Like, is is any of this consensual? Like, I don't fully understand. Um, so yeah, it it was all quite strange. But where it ends up, yeah, it's it's definitely very interesting. Definitely something to like chew on and i don't know if it's like a comment on like incels and the parasocial relationships they have and that sort of stuff but Mm. i don't know it's interesting like a lot of this movie i think later on it touches on this a bit clearer um there's an element of like maybe this isn't necessarily intended but it's it's just an maybe an interesting thought that i had while watching it and probably is a thought had by other people as well um there's this element of in in trying to become real quote unquote for k she like nathan said there's a jarring disconnect in like her syncing up and in the scene where she's trying to be her most real and mm. human for k she appears her least natural her most robotic yeah. and that's really interesting and i think there's definitely something there like th- i think there's something there in the sense of like studios recreating like cgi dead people yeah there's a bit of that. Yeah. The closer you get to it, there, there. The closer you get to photorealism, there's a sense of uncanniness that, mm. like, it feels like you're being lied to, and it feels unsettling. And I don't know where, where, where do you land on the whole scene, Harley? I kind of read it as you initially are fed it as an audience that she wants to do this for him out of love. Mm-hmm. You know, she senses that he spoke to this woman earlier, and. That, he likes her and she's like well, i can be real for you and it's, it comes across like a romantic gesture but when you factor in that her entire programming is to basically reflect what her host wants mm. that's what it is it's her just giving him what he wants even if he doesn't realize it's what he actually wants when you look at it like that it's actually it's, it's quite sad because you realize that what should be like a very kind of open and sort of romantic almost self-sacrificing in a way like kind of gesture is actually completely empty it's merely a transaction it's merely her doing what she's supposed to do but taking it to the furthest level it's like it's that computer ai kind of logic of just like oh you want this thing well i can do this therefore you're happy now my program is complete yeah you know it's far more cold and transactional like that and that's sort of what unravels later on in the film my heart just kind of snapped clean in two at that moment you were talking about with the the big joy like yeah the, the yeah. moment where he's essentially walking like it, it, it's after watershed and and mm-hmm. and and Kay is walking the streets so therefore there are naked adverts um yeah. and and joy is there and it's obvious that her programming like you say holly is clearly more geared towards incels that want to have sexual encounters that mm. want to buy them and have yeah. them on a, on a whim and a, a, at their command mm. um which is you know obviously gross in itself but that's that's the point but then like when you realize that that is the basis of their relationship and the the original mm. programming that she had like one of her purposes um as a partner to Kay is to help him see that he's like special and mm. and it's and it's interesting that he only can really discover what being real means when he sees that that was all just kind of bullshit yeah um yeah i'd fucked yeah 
Oh, it's going to ruin. My, let's move on from joy because it's going to ruin my day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Where, where do you guys want to take this, Harley? Where, what, what do you want to talk about? I mean, I guess we're kind of moving through it fairly logically with the story. I like that. So, um, yeah, I guess to sort of carry on where the investigation picks up, right? When they discover the bones, and that's the whole thrust of the story is they realize, oh, a replicant gave birth, and it's it's not yeah. just any replicant it's rachel this is another thing i love about this movie is to what you just said uh towards the start of the conversation that you don't necessarily have to have seen the first film to follow this yeah. and I, i've watched this movie with people that haven't seen the first one and they understand the basic thrust of the story it's just one of those like if you've seen it it means a lot more to you when you're like mm. oh damn that's rachel okay yeah. Ooh, that's an interesting development. Where's this going? You know what I mean? Like for people like me sat in the audience going, oh, did not see that coming. You're like, oh man, that's Rachel's head from the first yeah, movie. That's yeah, yeah. That's her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we, we can live test this. Nathan, were you on board with the bones and all of that, what that was going on? I didn't have a clue what was going on. <laughs> not a clue. Um, but I think that's more my issue. I think I spent a lot of time like knowing I didn't fully know the first movie, the first movie story. Fair I was enough. like, Oh, I don't know any of this. Like, who is this person? Like, what is? Yeah, what's going on? I was, I was constantly f- trying to like work stuff out, but in doing so, just not focusing on on like what the story was telling me. Basically, gotcha. Um, so, uh, all right. So, so Rachel was a robot who's mm-hmm. now dead. Yep. But she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so robots can get pregnant. Yeah. But maybe they can't. But mm-hmm. Jared Leto doesn't want people to know robots can get pregnant. So thus, we enter the Jared Leto portion of this conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll start by saying up top that he was not the original choice. It was actually David Bowie, but he sadly passed. Ah, oh, um, so, okay. But, Interesting. Um, yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff to say about Jared Leto in this. He, do you know what, to be fair, as much as he is a person I can't really stand for reasons that are outside of his performance in this film, he is very good in it. And he plays it exactly right. I mean, mm. I, in my notes, I just wrote, he's a slaver with a God complex. That's basically what he is in this film. He's he's Tyler from, uh, Tyrell, sorry, from the first film, just slightly worse because now he's rescued people from the mess that Tyrell left. So he's got even more of an ego. And yeah, the basic thrust of the story where it intersects is it's not that he doesn't want people to know. He's all up for replicants being able to reproduce. He just can't figure out how to do it. Yeah, um, it's because right. that discovery hasn't come from him that he's like yes how dare someone know something beyond me i mm. fucking i didn't know that about david bowie and i love the idea of denis looking through his phone book and yeah. being like i need a fucking i need just a dick with a god complex and being like oh yeah this makes sense this this is i'm calling jared Leto straight away <laughs> yeah yeah i mean a fun fact he uh you know he's blind obviously in this film his character and I love the design of that. It's a little, a little like weird fish robots that are like flying around, and yeah. he's just got like a dead-eyed yeah. stare. He wore contact lenses for this performance, which you know is very much in his keeping, right? I mean, the whole Morbius crutches thing—it's just—it's his what he likes to do. Oh, man, I I don't know about you guys. I've <laughs> I've raised this point on another podcast. And I'll raise it here because I think it's one worth discussing. I often wonder with him, right? I get the whole warming up to a performance. I can understand like if you're acting, like say, let's say he's in the scene and you go. Could I get some lenses? Just that might help. Fair enough. I got no issue with that. I think, yeah, if you use a prop, by all means. But it's the fact that you know he would have been walking around on set all day like that. Yeah. And people would have had to help him. Same with the Morbius thing, right? Where he, he was on crutches and it came out that people had to like help him to the bathroom and stuff in between takes. And you're like, mate, come on. And it makes me think about the fact that he's in a band. 
right? <laughs> and I can't, and, and stay with me on this, but I'm like, okay, you're in a band. I get you got to warm up for you know your guitar, your vocals, whatever. Does he just stay in song like all day when he's on set? You know what I mean? When he's recording an album, or if he's about to perform at a festival, people going up to him are like, oh, Jared, nice to meet you. Can I get can I get a uh, you know autograph? And he's like, yes, of course you can. You know, like is he <laughs> is he just that insufferable like all day? as a musical performer as much as he is an actor. That's what I want to know. Method acting. Mm-hmm. What a load of bullshit. I hate <laughs> it, okay? Um, <laughs> and, and this has been in the news recently as well, and it's like, uh-huh. I, I think, was it Andrew Garfield who said, like... Uh, Rob, Robert Pattinson. No, I think it was Andrew Garfield. Oh, maybe it was Robert Pattinson. Some British guy who plays an American superhero yeah. was like, yeah. um, it's all, you never hear about people doing method acting to be nice. Yeah. It's always just whenever they're playing just the biggest fucking creep and they just need to yep. just act like a dickhead all day, basically. Mm-hmm. Lawrence, we've done acting. Mm-hmm. Method acting, complete bullshit. There is absolutely yeah. no reason that you need to do it. I understand some people will need a process. I I am completely okay with method acting up until the point where, like, if you if you need to go and listen to some sad boy music in the corner of the room and fucking ignore the world, right? Yeah. Crack on if your job isn't going to be hindered by it. Like, if you're needed mm. for other people's scenes and you're like, I can't, I need to listen to Evanescence or whatever. Like, fuck, <laughs> just grow up and do your fucking job. Like, it's not, I don't, I just, I've never seen a purpose to it where it's that difficult. And Nathan's right, it is always just for creeps. And it is always like, I don't know, you, you, yeah, you just don't get people method acting. You know, there's a, there's a weird form of method acting that comes from Ryan Gosling in this which is the juxtaposition in this film. Uh, I only learned this recently. It's in the baseline test, which is an, like a step up from the Voight Kampf test in the first film where you, you know, they look at your eye and they ask you, what happens if you kick a turtle over? Do you feel sad? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's very weird, but it's all about empathy. <laughs> and in this one, it's a post-traumatic baseline, hence way saying like within cells interlinked, you know, and it's like repeating words and all of this. Apparently that came from Ryan Gosling. Um, it's really? it's yeah it's a little tool he uses to kind of basically concentrate like people feed lines and he'll like repeat them back and get make sure he's got the right line yeah and it's sort of a way of like dropping in to a character and into a scene and but, but that's how you do it well that's how you do it in a way that doesn't interrupt everybody else's day or you know a poor runner's now got to like hold your hand while you walk to the bathroom even though you're like a 50 year old man with perfect vision mm. and working legs that <laughs> that yeah. that sums it up for me because it's like the when you hinder people's days to the point where like i can imagine like because runners chew shit that's their job like they just clean up other people's messes and run run shit around all fucking day Mm -hmm. so like if your job is if you're immediately assigned to mr leto probably quite a big opportunity and it's far less embarrassing to say i fed him lines for an acting exercise than it is to say i pulled his pants down and wiped his ass it's just weird isn't it it is weird and and what your point about the like the musical like no, it, it's it's purely because in the industry of acting and performance, someone a long time ago invented that it can be helpful to be a prick and live yeah. in your character. So he went, oh, that sounds amazing. I'm going to be a dick all day. That's my go-to analogy. It's like if he did the singing, as stupid as I made it sound, like, but if he actually did that, he, the guy mm. would blow his voice out and he'd be done after one day. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and it's the same with acting, isn't it? You don't, you don't have to be in character all the time. You can just no, stand on the X don't. and say your line for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, Especially on a film set as well, because like yeah. so much of like film acting requires you to step out at the moment mm-hmm. and to like see like what is actually going on. You have to do it from different angles. You have to do it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, 
I, I struggle to understand how you can do that in character. Yeah. Really, it's it's quite difficult. And how you don't so. get embarrassed by it as well. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Mercifully, though, he was on this for two weeks, so, you know, <laughs> minimal damage. And then everyone had a party on his rap day. Yes. Um, but, but not for the reasons he thought they were having a party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so what what happens? Where, where, where do we go? What happens? Yeah, so I guess um, from there, yeah, I mean, so Wallace is after... Rachel, when he's after answers, he wants to find the kid because, as you've rightly pointed out, Lawrence, he's just upset that someone beat him to it and mm-hmm. he wants to figure out what's going on. And therein lies the story of Kay just trying to track down this kid, but maybe he is the kid. We don't know. And Nathan, I really enjoyed your back and forth on that during your summary. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it was it was fun to, to watch and try to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. I feel like... The the moment where like Ryan Gosling himself like mm-hmm. kind of like had the you know where he found the horse and then like he went yes. back to the orphanage and he and he found the horse that was a really good moment that was yeah. like because you saw him looking at like is it real do I want to even go and fucking look and see like yeah. I don't even want to attempt this like what does mm-hmm. that mean if it is actually there and shit like mm-hmm. very good scene very interesting stuff really that was yeah. the moment I knew it was my favorite film. My sat okay. in the cinema, just the music, the look on his face, the way the story came together. I just was like, oh, I am so in on this. Like, I really yeah. want to know what's happening next. <laughs> Mm. there's there's like for his character as well there's deep conflict because like mm-hmm. to heal from his like past to heal from the trauma of his life being an outcast and rejected and not as worthy of life as others millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The people that he, like, inhabit space with that memory being real and that memory being his directly tie into like if it's true and i'm this child mm-hmm. then i can start to recover from i i have inner peace i'm real i i know that i'm a, like a thing i'm i exist i'm a person mm-hmm. but it also just brings him a world of shite because then he's like but i'm also the target of so many powerful people and just the the juxtaposition of that cruel like, it's irony it's literally like you, you you know, you want to be happy, but it comes at a price. And like the movie's choice to lead us into, and when I said I've seen this twice, this was the one I started to understand it more. Mm-hmm. So like, I was like, imagine understanding at a surface level, finally being like, oh my god, he's the child. That's a big mm. thing. And then it gets to the end, and I'm like, oh, oh no, <laughs> this is not what I thought was happening. Yeah. You see, uh, you see, at the end, like, just jump ahead a little bit, but like at the Ooh. end when he's with this like. 
group of like resistance fighters or whatever the fuck's mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. there. And like uh, they just casually the the way that they just casually dro- so drops the she, and it was just so fucking casual and just no just so like matter of fact. I was just like. Oh, I got it wrong. They they must have said that like like he's not the kid, and that was always the case. Like yeah. oh, I I misinterpreted or some shit. I didn't even realize like this was a reveal moment until like Ryan Gosling was like, "Wait, what the fuck is happening now? <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not the kid." Like that's that that's that reserved performance from him again. Like he yep. the camera and the, and Roger Deakins shot this in a really interesting way. There's so many opportunities for it to cut away, mm. um, but you kind of like like even the moment where ryan gosling gets the horse yeah and he and he sees the horse we stay on that horse for so fucking long and his reaction and you you see his hands shake and only Mm. when his hands have been shaking for an uncomfortably long time sorry when you said ryan gosling gets the horse i was like was there a horse in this movie (laughs) (laughs) i I was like i don't remember a horse and then the wooden horse someone someone tries to get him a horse the i'm the captain now guy oh yeah he does yeah Yeah. captain phillips guy yeah. yeah Um, but yeah, no, just the the, ca- the way the camera moves, like you stay on that handshaking for so long, and then you stay on, you cut to Ryan Gosling as he's already mid breakdown. Mm-hmm. Like it would be such an obvious choice to be like, give the actor their meltdown moment, get him the yeah. Oscar, get him a nomination at least. Um, but it's more interested in like what that horse means, and, yes, and what that horse means is more integral to the core of the movie mm-hmm. than how Ryan Gosling's character feels about it, and it's helping you to be in in his shoes as a character mm. because it's a holy crap moment like you look at it and you're like oh oh no and like you and everything you just said lawrence i was just yeah so happy to hear you say that because you're absolutely <laughs> right it is that kind of like but now he's real but he's real that means that yeah everything that's happened to him he, he can move forward but also mm. he's in a lot of danger and like you have all the conflicts and it's just yeah like you said it's the camera it's everything just letting you sit in the moment and just kind yeah. of go oh okay now what <laughs> you just yeah. don't really know where he's gonna go i'm fucked in one way or another which yeah. way would i rather be fucked in yeah mm. basically yeah there's an insane robot chasing him and hunting him down and <laughs> like this insane robot at first she wasn't insane she was like quite pleasant and nice for him but i guess that was an act because she works for jared leto hmm. harley what's going on with this insane what with robot? love played by uh sylvia hoex i think is how you pronounce her name she's yeah, amazing yes. she's very good terrifying yeah. in this film very mm. scary very scary she'll kill anyone oh yeah anything she'll kill david dasmalgen what a horrendous death by the way <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. smacked just, in the back of the head yeah yeah just twatted into a neck break yeah <laughs> and like you sneeze out your own brain like, <laughs> poor but, guy yeah yeah he always gets a bad run of things he, he always does has, like, yeah he's just got one of those faces isn't he yeah, he does. <laughs> he, he was being a bit racist earlier, though, to replicants. So he I can was. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was the setup. Love is fascinating to me. She's uh, she's like the other. I don't know. She's kind of like what Kay would be like if he was, you know, under a absolute manic slaver with a god complex, as opposed to just mm. a fairly reasonable police chief played by Robin Wright. You know, it's mm. it's two sides of the other coin. It's she's the one that she's trapped. You know, she's um, like the first time you meet her, you know, Ryan Gosling, Kay immediately clocks that she's one of him and she says, oh, he named you. He must yeah, like you. Yeah. It's like that thing of she's someone's property. And that really horrible scene where sort of um, Wallace is examining a new replicant and then just oh, kills horrendous. her outright because he's like, well, yeah. you're not going to bear me a child. Like he's, he knows it's failed. And that's that, that again, that sets him up as such a great villain because to him, they really are just disposable, even though he's 
created them, you think he'd have this kind of love for them or like affection. No. Again, it's it's the evil side of a god complex where it's like, no, no, I made you. I can do whatever I like with you. And he calls them his angels. Yes. And, stuff. Mm. and, and I don't like it. And love so. is in the background. And mm. if and I watched this scene today, watching her reaction to that entire scene. It's brilliant acting by her because you just see, similar to Kay, it's like all of this pain and fear and terror and she's just holding it in. And so, yeah, the second she gets an ounce of power, she lashes out, you know, and then like kicks him in the face or, you know, like stabs Robin Wright or like smacks David Dillsmith yeah. in the back of the head. Yeah. Like, she, yeah. it's just, it, what you're seeing is just rage. What, what made me uh, laugh quite a bit, I, I don't think it was supposed to be a, a funny moment at all, and probably quite the opposite, actually. Mm. But when they have Deckard, like, Deckard, Deckard later in the movie, yeah. and they bring out the fucking, the Rachel, like yeah. the, 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 the younger, the Rachel model or whatever, and then he's like, oh, she has different color eyes. And just straight away, like, she does not hesitate to pull out that gun and just shoot her in the face. Yep. It is, like, so yeah. quick and just, mm -hmm. oh, faulty product. Let's get rid of it. Bang, go. See you later. Yep, exactly. Ugh. And I mean, yeah. it, it, to sort of jump ahead of just staying on this character, like right the way down to her death, you know, her her fight with Kay is so intense, all of it. You know, the scrambling around, stabbing him. And then I've, I just feel so uncomfortable every time I watch that scene when he just holds mm. her underwater because it's just so, yeah. it's just so real. Like the way they shot that, like to, to your point earlier, Lawrence, like the fact they hold on it and it, it's not like, you know, I guess some Hollywood movies, they kind of cut away or like you splash for like 10 seconds and then it's over. It goes on for like a good minute. Yeah. And it's, and you, and again, it's, it's the, the both of them, like him just kind of, almost exasperated and fed up with all of this and like just taking no pleasure in this. It's not him killing her because, you know, he wants revenge. It's just, she's in the way. Yeah. And her just clawing, like how she starts off really angry and like thrashing like an animal. And then it just gets more and more desperate. And it's just really sad. And by the end, you're like, oh, you poor thing. Like you just, she's just, a, yeah, she's just like, it's like it's, when someone gets like a, I don't know, like a wild animal as a pet, you know, and like it's got this strength and this power that they don't appreciate and they just, keep it in a cage and poke it with a stick and you know that that's mm. what she is she's just this ball of anger you know and yeah. it's, it's just tragic that that's that's how she goes out something i i didn't notice the first time and i noticed this time is she she kills the lapd captain the same yeah. way that she watches the replicant get killed by wallace yes um with like just just a gut to the stomach yep. and then like she is fucking haunting the way she like picks her up for the facial scanner and then yeah. just drops her lifeless head oh, yeah. onto the table yeah fucked man <laughs> but again it's like where has she learned that from yeah yeah like you say it, it's that mirror um mm. yeah such, such a great performance and just like a, a really good antagonist for that i mean that, that's why she that's why she says i'm the best one because it seems yeah. like a weird line but it's like that's all she cares about yeah let's talk about harrison ford yes because he's back <laughs> the big man has was the, this was his second in the line of redoing his big roles the the star wars blade technically Runner. the third yeah i'd say technically the third. oh yes yeah. crystal scott yeah yeah mm. yeah fuck's sake well they, they did it again now and it <laughs> throw me yeah. off <laughs> yeah i know yeah. i know yeah 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 <laughs> i saw, saw that the other day actually i don't know if you guys have had a chance no i haven't seen it yet no okay no, all right I, I will i will keep you up <laughs> you yes. like it i enjoyed it and um okay. if we're talking about harrison ford giving a performance where he he clearly cares it, it's definitely yeah. on the list so I don't, I don't know much about his relationship to this franchise but as nathan said earlier mm. like he especially where star wars is concerned he's very much like 
I like Star Wars, but you guys are fucking too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where where did, how's his relationship to this franchise? My understanding is he's always been quite fond of it, um, but I don't know if that's also just money. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I look, you can be fond of one thing and also like twenty million dollars at the it, same time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I I often think back to a a Nick Mason riff about that, about how like he was asked at an interview and he sort of almost had like a flashback to talking with his agent being like oh by the way Blade Runner might be coming up so make sure you say you want to do Blade Runner so you get that role and it's quite funny but I'm like I'm also I don't know I just feel like in this he cares that's what comes across to me because you could have done this film without him you could have done this film like Rachel's dead in the movie okay you said we get like a clone version of her later but that stuff isn't essential to this film like there is a version of this film that would have quite comfortably existed without Deckard Hmm. um but so that to me the fact that he just did it speaks to he's not in it much no exactly he's in it like the last 40 minutes yeah roughly so you know and and it's a great reveal you know and it's and just it's just fun i just you know his whole interaction with uh k is brilliant from the word go that he's like quoting treasure island and it's just like this grumpy old man with a dog who's got bombs everywhere and his first instinct is to try and shoot him and then that doesn't work he just starts punching him in the face repeatedly he's lived in he's lived in fear for 30 years you know i i think he i think he gets the um the indie treatment like yes uh, like in in his in his return to like oh any time that indiana jones has a moment it's the it's the come out the shadows yeah and and that's exactly what you get in this you get his voice Again, mm. you don't see him for a long time, but you know Harrison Ford's eighty-year-old man voice. Yeah, um, and it, yeah, and it, I can't don't got exactly any which... cheese on you, do you, boy? Yeah, and you're yeah. like there he is. <laughs> <laughs> and what a line in this incredibly serious and depressing movie. And yeah, it's like, don't suppose you got any cheese. Um, but yeah, coming out the shadows, that's great. And he's his presence is there from fucking like the get go. Um, but it's and it's also like it's just a really interesting kind of take on on the character because like there must be i'm curious to get your opinion on this harley like Mm. is there somewhat of a disconnect because in the first movie Mm -hmm. it it definitely is a product of its time yes Um, and there are elements where the romance feels very forced and non-consensual yeah and it's part of the book as well like i think in the book he's also married or he's like in the middle of a divorce like i can't remember it's been a while since i've read it but like the treatment towards women it is like quite he just doesn't care it's a very sort of typical noir kind of character yeah. right where they're womanizers they're drinkers they're smokers it's just that but just in the future so that's kind of his character whereas yeah i feel like the version we get in this has a lot of regrets you know and he's he is a he's someone that looks back at his life and just i think it's just sad you know and like is grief stricken and depressed mm. and it's just such it's such an interesting place to see this character yeah, no, I I agree. It's like the nature of his his whole monologue about how like you you have to like sometimes to love someone you have to be a stranger. Yeah, and like you see how in his predicament that's entirely true. Yeah, uh, but it's also the scenario he's built for himself. <laughs> like... Basically, it also fixes something that I heard you say earlier, Nathan, because um, you were wondering if K is meant to be like a clone or like a similar thing to the yeah. daughter. That's what's clarified with, um, sorry, with with Deckard is is him saying I showed them how to scramble the records. So when we go back to that bit where he found the daughter and then found the son and they were born on the same day, but one of them died, 
that was yeah. all him. That was him just throwing right, red okay. herrings to right. try and lead them off the scent. And so it's it's also quite interesting hearing him, yeah, talk about that as you say, Lawrence, with the fact that he's like, oh, so you've just you had to sever all ties and run, and it kind of makes sense. And it's one of those mm-hmm. where like he's not doing it just to be a selfish dad that's going to go and live in Vegas and have a good time. It's like <laughs> no, he's he's in hiding, you know, like yeah. he's he's just banished himself, kind of you know Yoda style or Obi Wan style, if you will. <laughs> sent himself to the desert to be sad <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's like weirdly enough there's such a throwaway line that i think is the entire point of the movie i've never seen a movie mm-hmm. go here's my thesis in one line as much as this go on the moment where he pours whiskey on the floor for his dog mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his dog drinks it and he goes is that even real and he goes i don't know ask him yes and it's and it's like <laughs> And like that genuinely that moment, like my, the cogs in my brain that were like, just like, I was watching it obviously, like fairly passively up until this point. Mm. Uh, And the cogs in my brain be like, maybe this is a masterpiece. Like maybe this is genuinely like a really fucking good movie. Yeah. But yeah, just that, just like, it's not, it doesn't fucking matter what's real. What matters is like how you take in something that you think is real, or like, because mm-hmm. there is fact there there is a fact that fucking K is a replicant, right? K is not mm. this prophesized chosen one, nor is the so called prophesized chosen one, or whatever. Like there is mm. there is no divine figure to lead them in this revolution. Like there is mm-hmm. there's nothing going on there, but it does, none of that fucking matters. I mm. yeah, I don't know. Uh, that, uh, this is probably like such a surface level breakthrough but like i i just it clicked for me with that one line and the fact that it was about a line of harrison ford and his weird dog <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, i hope that dog's okay as well because it just got yeah me too that was that was like my biggest thing i was like when the dog got blown up i was like oh, this is awful the dog didn't happens. get blown up <laughs> no well they all got thrown back when the like, dog the was far away yeah. You get that scene where he walks. He walks along and is like, "Oh no, my, yeah, my, my buddy's gone." It, and then, and then the, was... the replicants show up and take him. So there was a moment though where, like, you, you wasn't quite sure. You yeah, saw yeah. all three of them get like That's thrown true. back with the explosion. Terrible guard dog. Like just awful. Oh like, yeah, it's true. Just, yeah, but well, do- dogs take on their owners' personalities, right? And Harrison Ford has just been chilling watching Elvis for like thirty. Years. Yeah, yeah. So I dogs... I love that fight in the. In that little that's a good fight. Um, yeah. auditorium, yeah. and the fact that it that just comes in and out at just <laughs> random moments, like there is no rhythm to it whatsoever, or no rhyme. Like you cannot predict yeah. when it's going to start up again. And I love that; it's such yeah. a nice touch. <laughs> There's something else in that whole setup, actually, that I think is another interesting giveaway: the Frank Sinatra hologram. I don't know if you caught this. I saw Frank Sinatra, but I don't know what that means. Well, there's a song, and um, in one of the so- in one of the lyrics of this song he says the word set him up joe and it's like a brilliant oh. little like again it's like a little easter egg for the audience it's like another little nod um just, it's almost like a foreshadowing i would say actually of like what's about to, yeah. to come in that fact that it's another hologram calling him joe it's just, just one of them interesting oh. for a second time i yeah i had two moments of that today i watched two movies one of them was mission impossible rogue nation and and, uh-huh. and there's there's a line in that uh which now you're saying it that hurts because I was so I was so happy with myself for catching this one line in Rogue Nation, and now I'm pissed off I missed this one. The, the line in Rogue Nation was um, uh, Ethan Hunt on the phone to Solomon Lane goes, "I'm going to put you in a box." Yeah. And at the end of the movie, he quite literally puts him in a little a little glass yep. box. 
fuck's sake, now I'm annoyed. <laughs> Lawrence, to be fair, I've watched this film multiple times. <laughs> so fair. I'm pretty sure I'm in the double digits now. So like, it's, you know. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, we obviously will, we don't want to make this too long. So we'll, let's, mm. let's hit some, the greatest hits of, of, mm-hmm. um, of the movie. Um, the Rachel scene, we, I'd imagine as a fan of, like a diehard fan of the the original you've got some stuff on this it was just brilliant i think it's just again it's harrison ford is my takeaway from that i think when i wrote that my notes i just was like harrison ford just brings it Mm. it's just a really really powerful moving moment well again if you haven't seen it you get it because he sells the moment of like you understand oh yeah someone's just brought his wife back to life and it's just like here you go like you can imagine like the way he just sells that as someone who's been grief stricken for decades to suddenly be presented with a version of the person that you love more than anyone it must just be like what is happening and it's just the way he does it so subtly of like initially holds her hand you can see him like tearing up and then just the her eyes were green and then just walks away and you're like there he is like he just sort of (laughs) it's like it's starting to crack and it's also just super messed up from wallace to use that as like he says it he says it's for uh for joy but you know it's just to really mess with him like it's yeah, it's more yeah. torture it's more pain yeah it's breaking him down right yeah exactly um but super awesome they got a um a young lady to double as her and then they uh sort of deep faked her face on top which is why it looks a lot better than sort of your uh kind of your carry fishes of uh and things like that you know no, no offense mm. but you know some of those could be very uncanny valley this one i sort of was watching it and like you can still tell but it's not as offensive as others didn't they guy henry in rogue one nathan for talking yeah yeah, yeah they did yeah okay yeah yeah did they did they get someone for leia did billy lord stand it they it wasn't billy lord no billy lords did leia in uh, episode nine um yeah. for rogue one they had i believe it was a young swedish actress or some sort of scandinavian country yeah um, <laughs> for some reason i don't know if he, he even is swedish but i just my head went to the guy who took over chewbacca the juntus man <laughs> oh, he's definitely scandinavian yeah uh, juntus. yeah oh yeah Jun- as if i just pronounced the j and you always do that. I always correct you. What, what a swine I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, th- maybe there's something in that, like, interesting as well, just talking about Star Wars too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I read that scene as very much like a... I, I, again, this is something I mentioned earlier as well, but I'm not sure if it's just in my mind because, like, I've just seen The Flash and, like, oh. I've watched... I've watched uh, have you seen The Flash before I do this? No, but I've listened to you, the Weekly Planet, and a bunch of other people talk about it, and I'm aware of like the weird PS3 cutscene that happens towards the end. Yeah, yeah, okay. But P- PS3 is generous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, P- oh, PS2, okay. yeah. It's a GameCube. Are we going that far back? <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna remind the audiences there that he mentioned that he listened to us and then the Weekly Planet. So if we're the go-to podcast, then that's fine. It, it, with it us. was the other way around. I was just naming you yeah, first to be nice. Oh, uh, yeah. I, was, I think he was just being polite. Lawrence. Also, really. <laughs> release dates yeah like they released theirs a week before that <laughs> he waited he's a fan i don't know <laughs> no i cannot listen to a weekly planet unless i've heard lawrence first <laughs> it would not be fair <laughs> yeah. well like look so like this is what i'm saying the stuff in the flash like i don't know whether i've just seen too many resurrected dead people recently yeah yeah there's something about this entire sequence that is mm-hmm. very in line with uh, like I think, I think this is because of the nature of this film. This is a film that was popular in the eighties, and they came about in in modern context, whatever. Like in modern day setting, and they set up 
they were like, the guy's coming back. The guy from the 80s who is now old is coming back and he's doing this. This has happened fucking a million times with every franchise imaginable. Yeah. Legacy sequels. Yeah. Big thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And and they make a lot of money and blah, 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 whatever. Um, but the thing I think this, this is commenting on is such a, like, a if Jared Leto's character is a studio and Harrison Ford's character is like an audience or like a returning consumer of, of their content, then him bringing Rachel forward and being like, look at this thing that you love, which is young and shiny and brand mm-hmm. new. And then they go, nope. This is not how I remember. I don't like it. And the studio just executes it on the spot and is like, we tried, let's do it again. Let's figure something else out. Like, hmm. I don't know. I just, maybe there's, maybe I'm reaching, but I feel like there's something there. No, I, th- I think you could be right. Yeah. I think it can be read that way. I think if it had come out in the year of our Lord 2023 or <laughs> yeah. later, then I, I would say it would absolutely be intentional. Yeah. But in what, 2017? Was yeah. It? Um, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it, it's that's that's the thing that threw me off is the timing of it. <laughs> yeah, because mm. that all that sort of stuff was only like just getting off the ground mm. then, really. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's true. So, but so this I'm is not this sure. is set in the future, so there's a possibility they knew it uh, was happening. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's true. <laughs> let's let's sidestep that. Um, <laughs> I kind of loved. We sort of jump back to the purple uh, joy thing. The thing I loved about that just to set up the final act which is mm. him going after Decker because he's been told you have to kill him. And you it, basically the way that gut punch is delivered, it just leaves you with a place of of mystery of what the character's going to do next. Because now you're like, okay, this guy has nothing left to lose. I, I, you as the sort of audience watching the story through his eyes are like, well, I don't know what to believe anymore. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, everything we thought mm. was real is completely gone. So now you're like, what is he going to do? And the fact that it ends with him sacrificing himself basically so that Deckard can meet his child. It's just a stunning ending, I thought. It was such a beautiful way for it to end, just for him to do the most human thing. Yeah. You know, as everybody else in this film, especially all the humans of this, are being cold, calculating, self-serving. He's the only one that does something completely altruistic, and it's just like, no, no, you need to meet your child. I'm just going to lie out here and die in the snow. What's going on with the child? Like, (laughs) Go on. So, like, they make home movies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that are like memories. Yes. Um. But do they have some sort of like illness? Or yes. Something? So that's another clue. Okay. So she says, "Oh, it's an autoimmune disease." So like, I'm basically have to like shield and Quarantine yeah, constantly. basically. Yeah. And moments before that, he, when he was looking at the records, it said that the daughter died of an autoimmune disease. So it's like another okay. little thing they sprinkle in. This sort of again, it's what this film does so well. I think his experience mm, yeah. on Prisoners must have helped of like being able yeah. to sprinkle in the details so that when you watch it a second time, you're like, oh yeah, it's obvious. Like he's just... They even do it with Joy because like yes. you see the holograms of Joy yep, like, you quite do. a lot you do. You throughout s- yeah. the whole movie, really. Exactly yeah. right, Nathan, exactly. Um, so yeah, and I, and I love their interaction when Kay's getting her to look at the dream. Mm. And because yeah. you're so focused on Kay's journey and what this means to him, you almost miss her response. And again, yeah. I'm watching her this time and the fact that she cries when she watches it and it's like really, she suddenly goes very quiet. Like when we meet her, she's very you know, polite and smiling and like quite open yeah. and just like, yeah, how are you? Yeah, of course I'll help. And the second she sees that, you see something change in her face and she goes very reserved. And I love the line, someone lived this. Yeah. Like, yeah. That is so subtle and it's just so like, you could see her just trying not to give the game away. And it's, again, I was it's... like, brilliant. It's the first like she drop, isn't it? Like yeah. said, it's the 
it's the first massive clue. It it's is. not like, oh, this is real. This happened to you. Like, mm. yes, it, it's yeah, such a clever use of language in that in that bit. I think, mm. yeah, I don't know. I just that that bit where he goes and sees like joy, and it's mm. after he's met up with um, the Matrix Revolutions cast in the <laughs> in the gutter. <laughs> And, and yeah and, and it's kind of teasing a sequel which is now yeah, going to be a tv series yeah and they've mm. gone like look you're not the chosen one but it doesn't matter we mm. have a chosen one and then she's going to lead us into battle or whatever whatever the fuck it's all yeah it's a bit metaphorical firstly i love the fact that like we're led to believe that they are just not gonna f- like they, they probably will find her but like mm-hmm. that when they get there they're gonna be very upset that she can't leave the four walls that yeah. she's confined to yeah um mm. and just a complete subversion of that like deity figure like yes. this miracle child that will bring us out of the darkness or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. um but yeah that that bit where like he's just had that uh moment and he's walking the streets and he sees joy and that like when she calls him joe that realization that like regardless of circumstance regardless of anything like it's it's such an incredible moment because i think yeah. it not only shatters what he thinks being real means mm-hmm but also shows him in another roundabout sense that being right, the, the movie sets up that being called Joe is synonymous with being special, being a person, being real. That's like a thing it starts to do. Yeah. Um. And when he's called Joe by a joy that isn't his joy, he gets the realization that like it, it being, this sounds so dumb, but being a Joe is something that you can fucking get. You can just decide it. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can choose to buy it in the literal sense, yeah. But it's not something that's ever special about one person individually. It's about going. Oh, no, I'm not K. I am Joe. Mm. In and it, I'm aware this sounds dumb as rocks, but like, <laughs> d- 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 well, as long as you're self-aware. Yeah, no, but because <laughs> I, I keep checking myself and being like, it sounds like I'm saying that he's going to be a GI Joe or something. But like, <laughs> um, no, but do, do you get what I'm saying? Like, being yeah. a Joe is synonymous with being special and you can purchase a joy that will tell you you're a joe yeah exactly and anyone can purchase that joy joy mm. is like essentially like an incel fucking for less of a you know horrible phrase she's a like a, a click and fucking command person you can have around the house to do all manner of horrible shit i'd imagine mm. um and yeah just just the fact that you can pay someone to have that validation also means that you can just decide it it's a mind thing it's a mental yeah. barrier that he gets himself past and yeah how that leads him in to like he gets told earlier on in the movie that like nothing nothing is more human than dying for something you believe in yeah um and then you then you see him in that fight start to take one too many hits and you're like oh oh no yeah <laughs> um mm. it's brilliant now now that i think about it uh-huh. speaking of that uh joy scene with the big hologram uh, I do very specifically remember seeing that in the trailer. Uh, yes. And I want to ask you, Holly, was that frustrating? Not at um, all, no, at all. because I mean, okay. I think thinking back to the trailer, I mean, the trailer shows you that. It shows you Harrison Ford stepping out of the mm. shadows. like, But it doesn't give anything away because, right, again, okay. the larger part, part of the story is just so dense you couldn't possibly put that into a trailer <laughs> if you tried. Yeah, I don't think that they were necessarily not hiding like you can buy you can buy a joy yeah mm. i think it was more just the realization that he never changed his joy his joy was always reverting back to like the primary yeah. default settings yeah. It, it, yeah it's the role those characters were going to play within the story you're completely unaware yeah yeah, yeah. okay but yeah his his sacrifice at the end what do you, what do you make of the ending nathan because this is something i've seen a, a 
fucking gazillion ending explained. What did it really mean? Who's the son? Who's the child? Whatever. Like, what did you make? Well, there was no son, was there? No. Okay. Right. So I did. I did understand that bit. Yeah, you you got that. Okay. I was like, was there a hidden son? Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. So he just dies. Basically. He's dead in the snow. I like the idea of then Harrison Ford just coming out like 10 minutes later and be like, oh shit, that dude's dead. Yeah. Okay. What's, what's Harrison Ford going to do? Because he just kind of has to stand there now, doesn't he? Well, I don't know. He's, he's meeting his daughter, so I guess it's yeah. sort of what... live at that facility now, I guess. <laughs> We're yeah. just doing the stupid thing now of being like... <laughs> yeah. in lo- I, it's a beautiful ending, but what does it mean for him in 10 years' time? Is he just going to have a picnic chair by the door? Maybe, and a shotgun. Yeah. Just yeah. back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> no one's seeing my daughter. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Oh, um, no, no, ser- seriously though, yeah, it's it's quite a um, oh, nice. Probably isn't the best way to describe it, but it's like a it, it's quite a heartfelt ending, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, like I say, the sacrifice that he made so someone else can just have a bit of humanity, really, mm-hmm. and the fact that he did get to um, give up his own w- what humanity he had, give it up so mm-hmm. someone else could experience that. Um, yeah, really, really touching stuff. Mm. Um, and yeah, the fans that he died, it's it's a little sad, but hey. And do you want to know another little tidbit on the end of that? I would love to. It's the music that's playing in the background, just as he's led mm-hmm. there, and it's sort of the final few seconds. It's the theme from the Tears in Rain speech from the first film. So it's echoing oh. what Roy Batty said and did. And it's basically continuing from the first film. It's like a little nod to kind of go. Interesting. And this is what he's seen. This is the journey he's been on. Yeah. yeah, it just very nicely echoes the ending of the first film. You said not too long ago this is um, getting a sequel in the form of a TV show. Yeah, I, I don't know what the progress <laughs> is with the fact. Let's do a live okay. Google, kids. Let's hope it's not Netflix because it's not happening. <laughs> That's the case. <laughs> oh, yeah. The last I heard it was Prime, so I'm just going to check this. Oh, they got money. Okay. They'll, they'll make that. Yeah, which is like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're spending how many billions of dollars now on like a... Uh, what's it called? Um, Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, you know. Too much on Lord of the Rings, too much on the boys. Uh, okay. Basically, the least thing is it's had a, it's found a director. Um, it's going to be called Blade Runner twenty ninety nine. So it's going to jump forward twenty ninety nine. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, apparently, someone from Game of Thrones is directing. So there you go. If that means anything to anybody. Oh, is it Alan Taylor? Uh, it is Jeremy Podswa. I was just excited for Aaron, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Taylor, Alan, Alan Taylor's like the mm. the pilot, the Ned Stark death, the Battle of the Bastards. Like he's the big ones. Oh, okay. So that would, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Jeremy Padiswa. Yeah, something like that. Is that a guy? Yeah. Um, there, there's nothing on here at the minute in terms of when it's going to come out or what. But um, yeah, we'll just keep very, an eye on it. Very much in yeah. development. Uh, well, maybe not development hell, but. I mean, it has been six years, so yeah, you yeah. kind of think they should hopefully get on with it. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like that thing that the studios do when they like yeah. they have a shareholder meeting coming up, so they're like, "What do we got? What do we got? We're gonna do a Blade Runner show," and then like six years down the line, like, "Fuck, we actually have to deliver on that as well." Like, yeah, we actually have to, we make actually, that we actually have to make it exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That got leaked to the press, and now it's a thing. Like, we got to hire someone. <laughs> well, that that article I read was from uh, March of this year, so again, okay. should be. I don't know, maybe a year or two from now, we should actually get something. We'll see. Progress, yeah. yeah. Well, that's progress. Uh, a name attached is something. 
yeah, and I'll be here for it. I, I'm not holding my breath, to be honest, because, mm. again, I, I don't really know what to expect. I mean, the fact that this worked so well, this sequel, was kind of a miracle. So yeah. I'm not really sure about a series, but we'll see. You need a fucking, like, I hate using the word, but you actually need, like, some sort of auteur. Like, you need a Ridley yes. Scott or a Denis Villeneuve. Like, you, you can't have a run-of-the-mill TV show runner just make mm. something like this. I reckon you can. Give him a shot. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Give him a, I, Why not? I'll be the first person to, be, to, like, admit they'd be happy to be proven wrong. But, like, yeah. It's it's it, it's gonna be fucking expensive to look at. It's gonna mm-hmm. be high concept stuff. Like I don't know. It. I I hope it's good. I really do because I'm now. Yeah. I I'm I'm not. I remember watching the first Blade Runner and I was like I like it, but like mm. I for me the I, for me I think there's a fuss made of, made over it and I'm like oh yeah maybe, maybe I didn't see this at the right age for it to like land with me and I mm-hmm. care about it more. But like this. Yeah, this film is special. I genuinely mm-hmm. think. Well, let, let's 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 wrap up a little bit. Unless anyone's got any glaring points, have we got any little things? Harley, I'm putting you on the spot. You Ooh. have a little thing for us, surely? No, of course not. This film is perfect. How dare you even <laughs> insinuate that it isn't? <laughs> it can be a good little thing. It can be something good. Honestly, I don't really have one. When I think about it, I, I'm just whenever whenever I watch this film, I just sit down with a glass of whiskey and I have a good time. Like I'm I'm good. And you pour it out on the carpet for your dog. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she loves it. <laughs> I actually do have a little thing now that I think about it. Please. The font is too little. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Very Make good. it bigger. <laughs> that's very fair. Shall we do some recommendations? Yeah, let's go for it. So my recommendation this week is a video game uh, that I played over the last uh, couple of weeks or so, just here and there. Um, it's an indie game called Lake. Mm. Uh, I actually got it free with PlayStation Plus. Um, so th- that's where you can play it. I, you could probably play it other places, but that's where I played it. Um, it's just basically like, it's kind of like a cozy game, pretty low stakes, just quite relaxing to enjoy. Basically, the basic premise is you are a kind of high strung businesswoman in the 80s working on this like computer project. Um, and you so stressed out from work that you take a vacation, go back to your hometown where you grew up, which is a small lakeside town in the middle of like, uh, I think it's Ohio, no, Oregon, in the middle of Oregon. Um, and you get a job for two weeks just delivering mail to people, just yeah. driving around the town in your little van delivering mail. Nice. Uh, and that is literally it. That's the whole <laughs> game. <laughs> you have like conversations along the way. You can like build relationships and stuff. And it's just like, a really nice and kind of cozy way to spend a couple of hours. Oh, um, that's nice. I love that. So yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that. And it doesn't take long to get through at it all. It's it's quite easy playthrough and yeah, yeah. quite enjoyable. Really. I've recently so. got a PS5. I'm gonna have to check that out. Then that sounds really good. Do it. Yeah, yeah. check it out. It's quite enjoyable. Do you get to Add build? It. Do you get to upgrade your lake with more letters? No, no, you <laughs> don't. <laughs> there's no building. There's when no when other invading business women come in, do you get to take them down with the sheer power of your lake? <laughs> you do not know there's nothing like that Fuck. unfortunately okay. um yeah. all right yeah no I, i'll check that out uh holly do you need a minute or shall i do mine i'm gonna recommend the new foo fighters album um but here we are mm-hmm. even though i'm a little bit sour from not being able to get tickets the other day thanks to Ticketmaster's terrible terrible website but i, I saw horrendous. i saw you on twitter quite upset about mate this. honestly <laughs> fuming absolutely fuming you should have got um, a priority access thing or something. Well, right? I should have because yeah. I bought them in the past and apparently that's how you get the code. And then I went to look for the code and I wasn't sent one and I asked for one and they didn't give me one. And Anyway, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. I have 
this is not the first time I've had to source secondhand tickets, so I will be there. Yes. You hear me, Dave Grohl? I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot keep me away. But anyway, um, yeah, the album is incredible, genuinely. As someone who was there, you guys can see I'm wearing the shirt from when I went to the Taylor Hawkins tribute gig, and that was beautiful. And I did think to myself, is this it? Is this the end of these guys? I wouldn't be surprised if they just walked away. But oh, they so left. is this is this their first album since? It's their first album since. And let me double What's it called? Check. It's called But Here We Are. And it, here we are. it's absolutely fantastic. It's just straight up. The opening track, um, Rescued, is just one of those like classic Foo Fighters bangers that you can just see them opening up on a stadium with it. And there's a lot of you know fun experimental stuff. I think his daughter sings on one of the songs. It's a female voice. I'm fairly certain it's her. Oh wow! And the final track, "Rest," is just beautiful. It's just this really slow, like almost like a lullaby, like Dave Grohl just saying goodbye to his friend. And it, if it doesn't move you to tears, you've made a stone. Um, also, their first <laughs> ten minute long song, which is just before that, which is also quite experimental and fun and. Yeah, it's just awesome. Uh, John Freeze is the new drummer. He's he sounds fantastic. I am. Um, I, I saw I saw a video recently. Of the Foo Fighters it mm. might have been in Glastonbury. Might have been another. Yes. Uh, yeah, they were there. Downloads as well. Mm-hmm. Could have been downloaded if they were at download. They weren't. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I believe they had um, they had his son on the drums. That was at the um, well. There might have been at Glastonbury. Yeah, because they they went mm. as the churn ups. That was they were like a mystery band which. Is oh, right, okay. but yeah when i oh, saw nice. when i was there for yeah. the taylor hawkins thing yeah his son played drums on my hero it was and there Corey? was there was Corey? not a dry eye in the stadium i'll tell you yeah, that now we were all imagine. just like weeping and just watching this kid yeah. just play for his dad it was beautiful um so well, i just added this to my library so i'm gonna listen to that nice. while work tomorrow because yeah. that sounds pretty good i used to love the food fighters mm. quite a lot back in my I, I'm at the age now where I don't just care about music anymore. Like, okay. I'm at the age now where I'm like, I know what I know yes. when it comes to music, which is very specifically sort of like emo rock from the 2000s to 2010. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Of. That's coming back around, Nathan. <laughs> it is. It is massively. Um, but yeah, no, I used to like Foo Fighters really quite a bit. So yeah, mm. I'm going to check this out. And I feel you on Ticketmaster. I'm currently getting ready to... Try and get Taylor Swift tickets oh, in the next mate. few weeks, and that is gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a bloodbath. War. Like yeah, I all out. I might war I might that. send you a picture because I was on the phone to um a, a friend of mine actually at the time, and and I was sending him pictures of what I was looking at, and the page just wasn't loading. Like it was just yeah. freaking out, and I was just thinking like, guys, come on, like your ticket master, like how invent invest in some decent servers or something like you could yeah. just it's tell awful that they're they're pretty much like the only one yeah as well, but you can tell is... they just do the bare minimum and then when it, when a massive artist like this comes out it's just like yeah. ah, well if you can, get them if you get them yeah well you, you've got nathan's lovely calming game uh you've got harley's <laughs> oh, like go. tribute album to like a sadly no longer with us rock legend Oh, here we go. Uh, and <laughs> I, I would like to pose that you wash those two down with a nice game of crazy mini golf. Um, okay. <laughs> for the long, I haven't played mini golf since I was like maybe ten. Yeah. Until last week, there next to my local cinema in the complex. It's very weird. There is like a bungee jumping room and also a mini golf room, and then an IMAX cinema. Like yep. within the same building, the big three. Yeah, it, it, but, yeah, yeah, it's 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 very strange. But anyway, um, so I I went uh, there. 
not by myself. I went there. <laughs> I went there with some friends, um, and I played two two lovely rounds of eighteen hole crazy golf. Um, nice. And when I say this, it is so stupid. And but you you don't understand how competitive you are until you play that game. Mm. You can see something, and you can see that feasibly it can be done in like two hits of a golf club. Yep. And when it takes you nine, you are borderline <laughs> screaming like it's. <laughs> yeah, but basically, you get you get a hole in one, you get cocky, and then the next one takes you nine, and you go, oh yeah, it's the slap back to reality I yep. needed. Yeah, I felt like Jared Leto with my god complex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is me, um, Harley. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been oh, thank genuine, you. Genuinely a pleasure talking to you, and also hearing about something that you so often we get to hear stuff that other people enjoy, and you mm. can listen and learn. And it's so nice to hear you talk passionately about something you love. So. Thanks, yeah. man. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah the space to do that. Thank you. Oh, no problem. And you are yeah welcome to come on. We'll wait until Amazon uh, finally released that show, and then, and then so, you can come on. I'll see you in 2052 or whenever it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It'll, it'll be the, the show's title will be the year that we convene for the podcast. That's when yeah. it'll actually yeah. come out. Exactly. Yeah. Well, anything else to say? Anyone? No. Wrap this bitch up. Wrap this bitch up. Okay. We have two <laughs> podcasts. Uh, but before I tell you about those, I'm going to tell you about Harley's podcast called The Fundamentals. Uh, it is great. Nathan and I have both been on there. Nathan spoke about Doctor Who, which was a very, very fun time. Um, and I, as I, as I joked about earlier, got to speak about my day job. Um, no, genuinely, uh, he, he speaks to a whole kind of just a plethora of really interesting people about stuff that they give a shit about. Uh, and it's really fun and it's been nice to talk to you and be able to swear again so i appreciate <laughs> it's it's family friendly it's all ages it's 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 genuinely a good time and it's really cool to hear people just my my suggestion would be just go go down his feed pluck something you know nothing about and just learn because it's really really interesting to do that thank yeah. you yeah i couldn't agree more man that's that's my philosophy with running the show uh we have two podcasts because we're greedy um <laughs> <laughs> one of them is this one new episodes of this one come out every friday at 10 a.m you can follow us on twitter there at another happy pod uh if twitter still exists by the time this goes up i don't know what the fuck's happening there as long as your rate limit isn't exceeded <sighs> then you can you can view and see what's going on a, a what now Oh, do you not know about you, this? No, I, I haven't been on Twitter much the last couple of days. What, what's oh, happened now? <laughs> oh, so Elon's put on a limit to how many tweets you can see in a day now. Seriously? Yeah. And it's also yes. like 600, which is nothing. Yes. Oh, for the <laughs> love if, of... If you're oh. unverified, if you don't have Twitter Blue, it's like 600. Well, of course. If you do have Twitter Blue, I think it's like 10,000 or something. Imagine still limiting people that have paid you $8 a month. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. It, it's like... Imagine paying $8 a month. Yeah, I know. I, I saw someone refer to it as like, imagine YouTube went, you've seen enough videos for today, leave the yeah. site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Why like, would you do it's, it? It's like this guy wants to set it on fire. Yeah, I th I think it has to be intentional at this point. It has to be like a tax write-off or some weird yeah. shit that's going he down. Needs to, he needs to run yeah. his potential into the ground so he can get something back, a kickback or something. Yeah. Yeah, some of weird's going on. Yeah, um, we 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 you, have another yes. podcast, Nathan. What's that one? I, as I was about to say, yes, we have another one. It's called Still Got Legs. It's all about Doctor Who and the weird and wonderful little sci-fi show uh, that we all know and love. That comes out every Monday at ten a.m. Uh, most of the time, anyway. Um, so go and listen to that if you love Doctor Who, or even if you don't. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
I never know what to do after this because I wait for you to play in the theme a little bit. So I'm just gonna you, I'm just gonna slowly say goodbye. You rate and review. Bye. Oh wait. Oh okay. No, hang on. Sorry, I've messed up. You guys. No, no you did the mess up. <laughs> don't worry. It was not you who messed up that. All right. Rate, rate, and review this podcast. We don't know what it does, but presumably it helps. Your podcast uh, platform of choice will likely have some sort of review system. Tap the five stars on it or whatever the top one is if you love listening to this if you don't just tap it anyway and i'm doing it right back. now oh Ooh. you hadn't already done it harley well i did it on spotify but i don't know how much that helps you so i'll jump over to itunes and leave a little review what a true hero Everyone the least thing like harley harley what is your twitter if you want to give it like a little plug yeah i mean at fundamentals pod and also at harley mumford but from what you guys have just told me i don't think either one's going to be of much use (laughs) in the very near future good grief but um yeah i'm also over on instagram again i I don't do as much (laughs) i tell you what i have fired up and i would appreciate people checking out even though I'm still trying to figure it out, is Discord. I have set up a Discord server. Okay. And I've done it with the idea of just adding a bunch of stuff to it, including guest appearances. So this will be on there. Um, But also I've done like a channel for every topic. So if someone's like, I really want to talk about Doctor Who, there's a Doctor Who channel, for example, or video editing. If you've got anything you want to share, I've usually got it running in the background. So if you jump on and just you want to share your thoughts with me or something you thought was interesting i will gladly chat to you about it and hopefully and some other how people. would people join that is that a link on your yeah it's so on my twitter or... it's in the link tree yeah. uh, in the bio so people link just go straight there to that yeah so, i can send yeah. you that and yeah just jump on and have a little chat because it seems like all these other platforms are being monetized or ripped to shreds so yeah. there's one there where you can just reach me direct if you want to <laughs> That's fair. That sounds quite cool. Nathan, right. you're also giving awesome. out your phone number, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 0792 <laughs> bleep that because that is real <laughs> you can get in touch with nathan there have fun <laughs> might hold him for ransom on that clip now just that have yeah. audio file ready to go absolutely um, yeah good time thank you everyone for listening we will see you next week oh where we will be doing this you're bleeding mate oh mate shit oh, oh shit man who the fuck did i kill get a wet one on it or something oh it's not my mate oh it's not yours <laughs> yeah i know i don't bleed oh in that case just leave your jacket open let everyone have a good old look yeah i want everyone yeah, to see yeah. my tie what the fuck is wrong with you great stuff i've no idea what yet we'll figure that out all right yeah bye bye <laughs>